This is the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. At Akron Jackson, at Jerry Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. A to Z podcast.com. Shouts as always to scene to the honeymoon girl to American fireworks. Now I know when you woke up this morning, it's Wednesday as we record this. Um, it was definitely snowing. There were probably five inches in my front yard. But trust me, it is fireworks weather. It's coming. Uh, they're always open in Hudson. They're always open. AmericanFireworks.com. Spring is kind of here. So, Dre, you're available to do this right now because the Indians game was snowed out. Um, yeah. We chuckle, but it happens every year, right? And, and, like, I'm glad to know, even though for what you can trust the forecast in Ohio – I'm glad to know, like, hey, let's get it the hell out of the way because next week's the draft and the early forecast is for 70s and in, in decent weather then. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, if you're going to do a baseball in Cleveland, Ohio, you have to expect to have a game canceled or or not had in the month of April. It's been unbelievable, the weather that was had, had that had been had leading up to today. Um, but we had a pretty good inkling when we left – when we got to the ballpark yesterday – I would have been, we were all going to be shocked if we had a game today, knowing what the, the forecast is. And the funny thing is, pretty sure Matt Underwood went to bitch or complain about the weather yesterday, and he said he looked in his phone, uh, and he happened to look in a video, and he was like, I can't believe the weather's this bad on April, t- April 20th. And he looked at his phone, and a year ago to the day almost, it was snowing at his house, and he had a video of it. So yeah. uh, is it surprising? Maybe the rest of the country, but if you live here, you should be used to this. It'll be 70 next week. We'll all right, so – Here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to do a draft-centric episode with Cleveland hosts in the draft and the Browns. You know, not pick until 26, but still being an important part of everything. We're going to, um, next week, at some point early next week, Dre's going to fire a bunch of draft questions at me. So we're still going to talk some football today. We're going to do some things. But, Dre, I want to play a little American Fireworks Glory Days and hey, gone back. Before uh, you get to that, and not, before you get to that, okay. I am going to, I'm going to do some research so I can ask these questions to Zach next week, draft questions. Um, don't get ridiculous, but if you have like cool ideas or cool questions, DM, seriously, DM me, um, questions you may want. It's kind of like asking Jackson, don't kill Axon Jackson now. Cause that's how he gets paid. <laughs> um, but if you have like just some, some random ones that you think that would be fun to hear us talk about, um, and not just hear him write about it or see him write about it in the athletic, shoot them to me and I'll, I'll throw a couple of them into our conversation. When There's we're doing this so much I'm useless knowledge that you can't I'm wear me down. I mean, you can, you can physically wear me down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As long as they're semi-legitimate questions, I won't run out. So, quick funny story before we do that. So, I'm sitting here. Um, you know, usually, Jay, I have a desk and then, frankly, have the kitchen table. And for the better part of 14 months now, um, you know, most of it's just been at the kitchen table. Occasionally, I have to sit down at the desk and make myself focus and grind out. Um, on rare occasions, I've had to stop in a library or Panera. But, you know, for months, you couldn't do that, right? And for months, I didn't need to do that because I wasn't anywhere. So, um, I have the setup that I'm on now because yesterday I had to do Zoom and actually be seen and all of that. And the reason was that Jason Lloyd, my coworker, was filling in on your network for the Bruce Drennan show. I don't know what it's called these days. Thank. Um, oh, Betzer, I love me. <laughs> it's called Drennan Live, actually. But anyway, um, I'm laughing because like need to work on this going forward. We just don't have in this house like the perfect setup without you know, doing some work for like where to do it as far as where the sun comes in, you know, and, and how the lighting is, is situated and all that. But the reason I bring this up is because it was like um, five minutes before I was supposed to dial in. And it was the same exact setup as when you did the Red Zone show in, uh, you know, um, back in the fall. 
And I was like, okay, you know, I, I kind of had my afternoon planned out. I have to do this. I have to do this work-wise. And then I guess I'm going on, so I have to make myself presentable. So it's like five minutes before, and I'm sitting in my T-shirt that I wear every single day. And I'm like, oh, no, I have to go on. So I go to the closet, and I'm laughing because there's one nice, um, you know, collared blue shirt. And I just am laughing because I'm like, I have worn this five times in the last year, and I've put it exactly back in the closet each of those five times because it's my shirt for formal Zooms and for, for being seen on there. Like, that's what it is. I don't go anywhere. I don't need it. So I just put it on. I wear it. I look at the camera. My mom watches. Nobody else watches. And then it goes back in the closet for the next time I'm on a formal Zoom. I've got a shirt just like that that I wear on the Rizzo show that runs on Sunday nights. That literally I've had to ask my wife like three times. I'm like, have I worn this shirt? And she goes, this is the only shirt you ever pick. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess, well, I guess it's my uh, The Riz Show uh, shirt that I'll be wearing. Matter of fact, I'm recording that tomorrow. So I hope after I get my shot tomorrow, uh, I will be able to wear it again. Your your shot's tomorrow too? Yeah. Isn't that unbelievable? Oh, my gosh. We're like old ladies because mine is tomorrow too. Look out, Northeast Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Look out. We got 930 curfew, but we're a couple weeks from being back, baby. (laughs) We'll tear it up till 9.45. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I want to play a little American Fireworks Glory Days Let's on go. the draft. Um, I'm going to presume that your answer, your story that comes to mind is is working for and around the team. But maybe it's being a kid watching the draft. Maybe it's something else like NFL draft throwback story. What, what comes to mind? NFL draft throwback story. Um it's hard not to think about the draft, and we've talked about this on the podcast a little bit. Hard not to think of the one with Joe Thomas not being there just because there were so many other elements of that draft that were just, you know, Adrian Peterson was in that draft. Um, the number one pick had had ties to Phil Savage. You were up in the, the actual draft room, I think. I don't know if it was, was. that one. Or, um, that one jumps out to me. Um there's a few. The Deion Sanders one jumps out to me. I was obviously a kid when that one happened just because Deion Sanders was so Deion Sanders and it was just and, and Barry Sanders was in that draft. Um, I, I, you know, the these are all the things that are popping in my head. Aaron Rodgers sitting in that in that waiting room. Um, and I think I'll, I'll go into that. The Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith draft, correct? Uh, that was 2005. Yes. Yes. Um, I go to that draft and I most people refer to it as the Charlie Fry draft, but go ahead with your story. (laughs) Yes. But I go to that because that ended up becoming a couple of years later. Brady Quinn was the guy like last man standing in the green room or whatever else. And we obviously didn't have the green room this year or last year. I think attack when he got drafted because he was cussing people out as he was getting interviewed with Deion Sanders. But I'll go back to the 05 draft. Um, I think it'll be a good one to play off of for me. Um, I was reading something. I think the plane or the Beacon Journal this morning. I was kind of glancing at it when I was drinking coffee, and they were talking about Justin Fields. and And, and I think you and I are pretty close. Without even you and I discussing it, I'm pretty sure you and I are pretty close on what we think about Justin Fields. And I'm I'm really not buying into. I just and, and I don't want to make it a black white thing. I just don't understand how we go about. Like I get that we want to get the you want to get the best and worst of who a player could be in a draft. Um, but it's amazing that Aaron Rodgers sat around to what the 21st, 22nd pick in the draft, Brady Quinn, same thing in the green room. And now all of a sudden, and I don't know what has changed in 15 years, 16 years. Um, but obviously the flow of the league is just you, the quarterbacks go at the top. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit like a fantasy draft suddenly where even though running backs aren't the most important thing in football anymore. So they tell you with contracts and things of that nature in the fantasy football draft, the, the top, even if a receiver is a top dog, 
because you and I have had this conversation. And I think you and I have changed with fantasy football in the last few years of, you know, certain receivers deserve to be taken right with running backs, in my opinion, because of how many touches they get. Um, it's amazing to me that a guy like Aaron Rodgers sat around that long. And people obviously nitpicked Aaron Rodgers um, coming out of the draft. He was a kid from, you know, he went to a junior college, then he went to University of Cal. Um, and he lasted that long in a draft 16 years ago. And he went before Alex, and he, Alex Smith went before him. And God bless Alex Smith. I, I tip my hat off to him, especially the injury he had. I don't blame him for retiring. And, heck, without Alex Smith, we may not have Urban Meyer to be completely. And, and some of you whip, young whippersnappers don't even realize that or understand that. I guess what I'm getting at is it's amazing to me that a kid that played at North Dakota, but the, I didn't even see him play at North Dakota, um, scouts have fallen in love with and think he's going to be a top two, top three pick. A kid that played at BYU who barely had the starter's job a year and a half ago, a year ago, who worked his tail off in the offseason and had a pretty decent year at BYU, um, suddenly is one of the top two or three prospects in this draft. I find it amazing that those type of guys will go within the first hour of the draft next week in Cleveland, where just 15 years ago, you couldn't get a kid like Aaron Rodgers out of the first, he almost fell out of the first round. You know, if, if the draft was drafted the way that it is today, uh, Alex Smith, Aaron Rodgers go back to back. Brady Quinn goes in the top. You know, Brady Quinn probably goes before Joe Thomas, maybe. Who knows? Um, it's amazing to me how the quarterback position has always been important. But the draft is showing us that it's more important than ever before in my eyes. Well, it is. Um, a couple of things here. I'm glad you brought up the Justin Fields thing. You know, I think what happened um, with that argument that popped a couple of weeks ago was just an example of um, what is the word I want to use? Gosh, I'm, I'm on a podcast. I should have it handy. <laughs> I just think it was poor placement. Like, there are valid questions about Justin Fields, Dre. And, like, as you just mentioned, the fact that a kid from BYU and potentially a kid from North Dakota State are going to go in front of him say that, right? Um, I don't think Dan Orlovsky is a bad guy. I think, um, you know, he screwed up in the way he presented it there. I think it yep. goes back a little bit to what I said. Uh, I've said a million times and that the more times you're in front of the microphone, the greater your chances yep. of saying something really dumb are, you know, um, you know, and I just think it was a, it was a moment that should have been avoided because you, you got to be more careful than that. So I, I'm glad you brought it up for a couple reasons, but I, I want to say this. So, was it Ohio State's first game last year when Fields threw that ball over the middle that was, like, ridiculous? It just, like, seemed to levitate, and it went for that touchdown for Yeah, it was yards. one of the first games. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I remember watching that pass, like, wow. So say a week or two later, that play, you know, in the clip format comes across my Twitter feed. And I save the tweet, you know, copy the tweet or whatever, and I send it to an NFL scout that I've known for a long time, and I say, you know, hey – is this guy going to go one or two or what? And, and he said, he said, actually he did not grade fields off his, off his 2019 film with a first round grade at all. He, you know, this wasn't a throw evaluation. He said, but look that throw six, three, two twenty five athletic, like, yes, he's good. And so about a month ago I asked the same scout and he said, same deal. He said, his throwing evaluation of Fields. Now his team is not picking a quarterback, so this was not an in-depth study. Um, was basically the same grade as it was the year before. So he said, "Now that makes you ask questions on 
what's he working at? What's he being asked to do? And he said, no, a lot of those things are, they had the shortened season. They had this, you know, like it, it was different. Ohio State's offense is obviously a lot of talent around him and a lot of running plays. Like you just, if, if you're in the business of taking a further evaluation, you do it and you ask those questions. So all of these guys get picked apart, Dre. Um, sometimes clumsily stuff gets out, right? Sometimes you look like a real dumbass for saying something dumb. Right. Um, I have major questions about Zach Wilson. Me too. The arm talent is incredible. The toughest team they played last year was Coastal Carolina, right? Um, right. I have major questions about Trey Lance, basically a one-year starter at North Dakota State. Physically, a lot like Fields. You see the upside. You know, even before he started at North Dakota State, at least on a full-time basis, the scouting community was like, oh, my gosh, like this factory has probably their best prospect yet. I just, you know, a lot goes into being an NFL quarterback. This is fascinating. It's important. Um, I don't know. I I guess I'm, I'm having a hard time processing a world in which Zach Wilson and Mac Jones and maybe Trey Lance would go before Justin Fields. Um, right. right. <laughs> but it's real, and it's, it seems kind of crazy. Yeah. But you know what? It's almost because we have more film of Fields, it's easier to break him down. Sometimes that it's happens. It's like you're talking about no having a microphone in front of you. It's like you can fall in love with a podcast if they only do one, three a year because they leave you wanting more, right? Yeah. But – you know, the podcast that talks every day, sooner or later, you're going to be able to put holes in everything that they say. Right? Because it's like, you can't be right about everything. Or I mean, unless you're me. That's usually what Zach would say there. <laughs> I mean, Justin Fields, because he was seen nationally, I don't know, like the Orlo- and I like Dan Orlowski. I really do. I, I, I think he breaks down the game very well. Um, his words about Fields, though, I just, and, and then when, the way he admitted that, well, that's what somebody told me. Well, dude, that's not how we do the job. And I, this isn't me attacking Dan. Sure. Um, that's part of our business. Our business is full of conversations with people um, that you can repeat it, but you can't repeat it with their names. Um, you know, I remember what's the, the one guy that writes a great – he writes a really good football draft uh, uh, guide, but he's an asshole. Like, he ta- you know, like he just goes too far. Like, I remember him talking about Cam Newton. Um, he just says things you shouldn't say. But for the most part, he's pretty accurate with his assessments of players. God, why can't I think it was um, Nolan Naraki is who you're talking about. I'm not yes. sure he's in it anymore. But yeah, yes. well, you but you know what I mean. Remember, yeah. he would just be outright uh, disrespectful at times towards the things he would say about players. But he hit on a lot of stuff about players that we didn't see from other places because he was willing to say what Scout B, what Scout C would tell him. Um, and it rubbed people the wrong way because you're talking about college kids, and sometimes you were wrong. Um, and you're going to be – and look, it, it, the old – and we've said this on this podcast so long, and I see it in baseball now just as much as I see it in football. We have no idea who people are going to become when they give them, we give them money. And Zach has told you guys from years, giving an asshole $15 million is not going to make him less of an asshole. <laughs> right? so, but you don't know for a kid that has no money – I mean, we're all different. Like, would this podcast be the same if suddenly we somebody gave us a million dollars each to do this podcast? I don't know. I'd like to find out. But maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we can do all these things. And look, the Wilson story from BYU. I don't like. I don't want to hold against him who he played because it's not his fault who he played. 
I, I like some of the things I saw. I hate that people were suddenly like, he's a bigger Baker Mayfield. I'm like, eh, Baker Mayfield. And, and if you know me, you know, I, I just don't hand out compliments. Baker Mayfield had to play his ass off against a decent talent to get to this point. Johnny Manziel got treated the way he got treated because he had this unbelievable game against Alabama. Like there are reasons why certain names and certain guys have gotten a little bit further because we've seen them do things on on the biggest of stages. Nothing against Zach Wilson. Um, But like I said, Zach Wilson was driving from BYU to California, you know, twice a week just a year ago during just to keep to try to win the job at BYU and go into quarterback camps. God bless him. And I tip my hat that he did it. Um, And he did have the season that he had, but I mean, Half the people that are ranting and raving about him and Lance, they didn't even know who they were a year ago. Right. Uh, you know, where Justin Fields, we knew who he was. And the 2020 season is so hard to judge with just so many different elements of injury. Not, like, I, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be interesting, especially with new coaches at these new places and different places. And if you're San Francisco and you've done all this moving around, Zach, and I know I'm going to ask questions to you later on or next week about this. I... I could Shanahan really be moving around like this and giving up picks for Mac Jones? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it, but there's a couple things that tell me that, that he might be. Um, look, the, the, the Niners have been a good organization, and that's not the move you make unless you know, right? Unless your guys are on the same page. So I'd like to believe that on the outside, some people are confusing um, secrecy with uncertainty, although there is obviously a level of uncertainty with the players. I mean, Joe, this isn't a trade you made in the second round where you gave up a five to move up two spots. Like, this was a trade to go get your quarterback of the future, right? Like, you know who you want that to be. Kyle Shanahan's a damn good football coach, right? Like, you know who you want that to be. He's He wields a lot of power in that organization. He's done a lot of good things in the NFL. Like, he even made Johnny look like a player for a couple weeks there, right? Like, um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But this is this is interesting. I, I have concerns like with Wilson. I watched a lot of BYU Be- because of the weird schedule. Um, they were on all the time, and they played no. They played Westlake. They played Bay Village. They played Mogador. But he made incredible throws, and even in the Coastal game when they got pretty thoroughly whooped by Coastal, he made throws that other dudes don't make. He just doesn't. But you're right. Um, we don't get to play Navy, Western Kentucky, Westlake, Bay Village, and Magador in the NFL. And the New York Jets trade their other quarter. It was time to move on anyway, but the New York Jets are, are going to draft him at number two. He's going to play in New York. They're going to put him out there, right? Like, this is going to be culture shock, and it has nothing to yeah. do with him being from Utah and going to a big city. Like, you know, we don't sit quarterbacks anymore, maybe for two or four or six weeks, right? Like, you draft a kid that high, you play him, and he sinks or he swims. And, of course, there's some gray area, and, of course, there's going to be some time for him to reach his full potential. But, man, I I just – this seems like a hell of a leap of faith to me. Yeah, but these scouts are taught – you know, these scouts are told to see things that we don't see. And you love the game, and you've watched the game a long time, and I love the game, and I've watched the game a long time. And I'll admit – there's people that see things in the game that we don't see, and we've got a pretty good eye for it. I think it is one of the most difficult things to see a 21, 22-year-old and and to think. And, and see, we get caught. You just said something that's dead on. You get drafted in the first five picks. You're expected to play in September. 
It don't have to be September 1st, but by September 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, you better have your helmet on locked up and know what's going on, right? Yeah. And for evaluators, they're not caught up on September 12th, 2021. A great evaluator is looking at who Zach Wilson will be on September 15th, 2023, 2024. When you're going into that, but you know, like, like look where the, the Brown, and this is, this is a great way to look at the Browns. The Browns have gone from evaluating every quarterback in every single draft from Mike Holmgren saying at one point in time, I'll draft a quarterback every single year because you never know, which I agreed with and thought was pretty smart, especially when you consider you, you hire, you, you, you drafted a 28 year old in the first round to be your starting quarterback. You better keep taking him because he's going to be old as crap before you even get to a second contract to the point now that the Browns are at a point now where we're having conversations about, do you sign Baker Mayfield to a long-term contract now Worrying about having to pay overpay for him in a couple years next year when other for, when other quarterbacks suddenly will be taken care of. That is a big change, a big jump. Most talent evaluators aren't saying, "Yeah, yeah, let's draft this kid so he can start later on this year." Your great talent evaluators are saying this could be our quarterback for the next decade. That's why you draft him, you know, with the third pick. Even though Zach and Andre in, in, in Northeast Ohio think we're idiots. We're not looking at 2021. We're looking at 2024, 2025. Well, sure. Um, and, and like I said, I, I love the kid's talent. I, I really know little about the background. The story you read about the drive, I mean, that's the one that got told on every broadcast, and it got told three times over as long as they right. played all four quarters, right? Um, I will just say this. AFC East, right? Dolphins, they appear to be coming out of a pretty well-executed rebuild. There's questions about Tua, but, you know, they're on their way, right? Um What's their coach, the defensive coach? Yeah, Bob, Brian. Uh, Brian Flores. Flores. Okay, New England, um, greatest defensive coach of all time? Yep, yes, probably. Sir. The Bills. Yes, I mean, yes, Josh you, Allen and Stephon Diggs are the reason that the Bills are Super Bowl you contenders. You just play quarterback. You're going to go against a great defensive mind every week. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, I were, I guess what I'm saying, you're right. Like, you're making this decision. Before any team drafts a quarterback, they're looking at every available quarterback. Next year, the year after, the ones that are already in the league. Before the Browns signed Baker Mayfield, before the Ravens signed Lamar Jackson, right? They're looking at every other quarterback in this draft who, who's come. And, and the only thing that's changed in the last few years is a lot more guys are becoming available. Now, not top guys that can really win you Super Bowls in rare occasions, right? You're looking at all these things. Well, you're the Jets. You're looking at down the road. You're looking at what Zach Wilson can be for you in 2024 because you're saying that – Sam Darnold had been beat to the point that he can't do it, or maybe he just can't do it. And and those people inside the building would know better than anyone else, right? But getting Zach Wilson upright to 2023 and 2024, that's going to be a challenge. Yeah. And if you don't, then you don't, then you don't get to make the, the pick in 2024, right? Like yeah, that's, the, that's like, right. You no, you, you, you really get to hire one quarterback. I mean, we've seen it a million times. The Browns are kind of the outlier to that because they've changed so much, but you really, Get to as a GM, you get to hire one head coach and one quarterback. Only in a few rare cases do you get to your second. You know, um, and it is it is important. I know we argue this, but like what Kyle Shanahan is saying is, we can't win with Jim. We got to the game with Jimmy, and we're not getting back. We can't win one with him. We need to go do this. So they made this huge trade. They went and got him. Um, Punch in the gut, though. And then I know we're not doing a Forty ers pod. But that's a punch in the gut. I got you there, Zach. Sure. What they're saying is he can get you there. He can't win it. Well, but you, you know what? You just said what we're going through here in Cleveland. 
for years and years and years, it was just show us competence. Just draft us some guys that won't get arrested, that won't get hurt, that will play. Right, they won't embarrass the organization the way Johnny Manziel and Josh Gordon did for years, and we told you guys that, and you argued with us, right? Well, now you got adults running the show. You got good players. Now it's like win or bust. Yeah, you know, yeah. Right? And that's what this and, league and, and is. And you're it's, right, and the, the goals change. And Shanahan's not going to be satisfied until he knows he can win a Super Bowl. I mean, I'll, Dre, the Pittsburgh know. Steelers won 11 and five last year and won the division. Did they have an awful year, all things considered? Well, from the outside looking in, yeah, yeah, and like, and that's the because other, the bar—that's where the bar is for their organization. I mean, the way it ended, right? And right. the bar for their organization is different. It, but it see, just that's is. through our lens, but that's through our lens as well. Because I've laughed at that, and I've had a lot of conversations with Browns fans that are like that are that are peacocking, as I like to say, walking around peacocking, and it's like, yeah, but the Steelers still went eleven and five, and they still haven't gone through the issues that you've gone through the last twenty years. You may be care- may want to be careful, and I and I know Browns fans get pissed when I say this. I'm just being honest. It was the other way around, and the Browns have been the Steelers, and they went 11 to five, and the Steelers finally beat them. Uh, you guys, you guys, in cockiness is way different than how I was raised. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Like I heard people like mocking the Steelers yesterday because they gave their coach a three year extension. Like, do you know that in like a year, like they've only had three coaches over the last 50 seasons? Do you know yeah. how jealous? Uh, anybody, anybody that loves organizations would really be with that. Like, I, I still, I don't love them. I'm not saying I want to be them, but I have a respect level for the Steelers and their organization. Because, as you said, as you should, the, as you yeah, should have that on yes. the surface, Zach. Yes, right now, today, on April 21st, we can chuckle at them. But when we look back 10 years from now, and you mentioned the 2020 season and going through a pandemic, you're going to go. The Browns finally came out of the, you know, came from the basement. The Bengals actually had a heartbeat until their quarterback was hurt. The Ravens continue to kind of figure out their puzzle with with Jackson. And, and then you'll say, and the Steelers were the Steelers as they had another unbelievable year. Yeah. That's how it's going to sound 10 years from now. <laughs> no, it is. Um, look, I, I think big picture, you know, when windows open and the Browns has have opened there, you know, I don't know. They might have just nudged it open, but. They're good, right? They've they they won a lot of games. They have a lot of good players. Like, I don't know how this year's going to go. I don't know how any year's going to go. Um, you can easily make the case that Andrew Barry's just getting started. If he's if he's what he appears to be, right? Yeah. And and like last year was year one. They're ahead of schedule. And and my gosh, you might finally have that run. I mean, it, it hasn't just been Tomlin there since two thousand six. Dre Kevin Colbert's been there longer than that. Okay. And they've gone through different incarnations of the team leaders and. The, the key guys, right? And, and they've been able to keep that thing humming because they have a special foundation, a special organization where Tomlin does his thing. The, the GM picks players for that. They, they change defensive coordinators. They keep the same system, right? And yes. they keep plugging guys yes. along. Anyway, that was well, an unexpected detour. What I'm trying to say is, <laughs> you know, 70% of me sits here and says the Browns are just getting started. And if guys get hurt this year or they whiff on one of these free agents or something like that, and you know they go nine and eight and miss the playoffs. It's fine because they're they're just rolling into an actual program which they've never had. And the other thirty percent of me says, "God damn, you might live to regret not tackling Chad Henney when you had that chance because it's so no hard. doubt you just you just don't know you you really don't know. The draft has a crapshoot element to it. Staying healthy does. You know now for the first time in ever the guys are the Browns are resigning their own guys. They're making. Um, financially based decisions, 
you know, I'm going to give you a chance to victory lap it. I always knew the Sheldon Richardson thing was kind of possible. I just don't agree with the logic of it. I, I, I see the plan. I trust Andrew Barry. I'm telling you guys that. I can't say it enough. I trust Andrew Barry to make the right call more often than not. I trust Andrew Barry and the guys around him to have a plan for both the now and the big picture. I just don't think that you needed to cut one of your 10 best players, and I absolutely think Sheldon Richardson was that. No, I love that you I love that you're stating what you're stating cuz you have that right and you're doing it the right way. You're not doing it like people on the radio that are begging for begging for listeners or begging for Twitter followers. I don't like it either. <laughs> let me let me say it that way. And because it originally came up between you and I when we were talking JJ Watt. And I remember I just threw out to you, I was like, you know, if they give JJ Watt that type of and, and look, to be to be quite frank, the only reason I brought it up when we were talking about JJ Watt is because you and I have had conversations on this podcast, and you'll remember this. We've had a lot of talks about how much money goes to the defensive line, offensive line. Remember, you were the one that breaking it down. Like, look what they've done with the offensive line. I don't want to – they're not in cap – I don't want to say cap purgatory. But the way they use analytics and the way they do things, they're not going to put themselves in a hole money financially, right? Sheldon Richardson was one of my favorite players in the Browns last year. Like, that, I, I didn't want to see this happen either. But when you're playing a older veteran – as much money as they're paying him or were paying him, and then you pay someone else in the double-digit area or close to it. Look, I have a feeling, and you might know this better than me, the Browns did this as a – they did it before the draft, and I didn't hear anything um, the coach said yesterday. So you can tell me if I'm wrong or you may have something you know more in-depth on this. But I will say, Zach, they cut him when they cut him for a couple reasons. It, it comes off as a feel-good, look-good deal because it's like, hey, Sheldon, we're going to let you out of this before the draft so teams know that you're out there. If you can get a deal from somebody else before the draft, after the draft, we're going to give you that opportunity. Wink, wink. I say wink, wink because the Browns know the money is pretty tight for most teams, and most teams aren't going to pay Sheldon Richardson what he was getting with the Browns right now, right? So they hope they come off looking really good in a month, month and a half, when Sheldon's agent realizes, shit, we can't get nothing like what we thought we were going to get. And then you go back to Sheldon and say, how much did you really like it in Cleveland? How much do you really believe in their coaches? And suddenly, what was he supposed to make this year originally? Uh, Twelve. Twelve. Suddenly, six million to eight or nine million from the Browns won't look so bad, will it? That's what I feel like the Browns are trying to pull off. This is what good teams pull off. It may work, it may not work, but I get where they're going because at the end of the day, this, you know what this shouted to me, and I'm going to cringe saying this. I don't think my favorite Brown is going to get paid to be a Cleveland Brown. I just don't see them giving money to Nick Chubb, even though it's the right thing. You and I have had this conversation in depth, and if you know me, you know I want Nick Chubb to retire as a Cleveland Brown. I love everything about him. It's just suddenly hard for me to see them going away from who they are. And, you know, they've got – you know what they think of running backs. And I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting way ahead of myself, so let me stop. It just didn't surprise me, Zach, because I just see that organization of they've given Miles Garrett the money he deserves – um, you know, they've got other guys in Billings that haven't played. They can draft defensive linemen. There are other defensive linemen out there that you can probably get for three, four million dollars that maybe they're not the leaders Sheldon Richardson are. Maybe they aren't, you know, the players, but they can do the job and you can cover them up with everything else and still put that money somewhere else. That's what that deal came down yeah, to. You know, you make really good points. And, and the key thing is this is new for the Browns. They haven't done this in forever. Right. Um, right. They really haven't done it ever. Uh, because the only other 
comparable time is when they made the playoffs the first time, 18 freaking years ago, right? And then Butch just cut everybody. Everybody left. I don't think anybody came back when oh. they got in cap hell, right? Hell, he um, got rid of the defensive coordinator during the game. I, I would say this. I kind of read the Sheldon situation as they already offered him that, and he said no thanks. Right. Um, but you never know. You it, Truly in the NFL, you never know. Hey, and your pride, your pride hits differently when you ain't got a job. No, that's <laughs> right, but – I. It's, this is the worst defensive tackle class in years. I think Sheldon's going to have a job the week after the draft. Um, we'll see. You know, we'll see what what money means to him, where he is in his career. I mean, I always, honestly, Jerry, the primary reason. I mean, you know, that eleven million cap number jumps off the page, right? But mm-hmm. the primary reason I didn't think they'd do it is he was down to his last year anyway. So right. he's he turns thirty one in November. He obviously has reason to play his ass off. You know, right. um, and get that second contract. So we'll see. He can still play. There's no doubt. But one thing I think that's going to happen here, and again, this is a byproduct of being good. I mean, the reality is they're not going to go 17 and 0 or, or 20 and 0. Um, they're good and and they're they're legit contenders. Uh, there's no doubt. But I think somewhere along the way, you're going to be screaming at your TV saying, "What in the hell do we pay Austin Hooper 10 million for?" And we can't mm-hmm. keep showing Richardson. Mm-hmm. You know. You don't think, as an organization, they're already kind of looking to well, themselves? Well, I know well, that that's kind of what I'm saying. When this is, <laughs> these are the problems you encounter. Like to me, with Nick Chubb, I get what you're saying, and I know that I'm in the minority by far on the fact that they're going to give him the money. But I just think, you know, quarterbacks are their own beasts, and we we spent 15, 20 minutes of this podcast talking about that. Um, I just think it's way more about that guy continues to be a good player for you because the NFL, there's so many moving parts and everything changes so quickly. As long as that guy is a good player for you, it really matters way less what position he plays and more that, that you know him and have him and and have a system that maximizes him. And then you plug in the rest, right? Like we, you know, the Browns had to start six corners last year. Is that going to be the case again? I don't know. I mean, they're the smallest guys on the field. They're in high speed collisions. Almost every play corners get hurt. Like, I hate when people say Denzel Ward is injury prone. Like, he's missed a couple of games every year because he's 175 pounds. He's one of the best athletes on the field. Like, he, he's played in big games. He's been there. COVID knocked him out of the first playoff game, not Denzel Ward being injury prone. Right? Right. Like, right. Um, you just don't know where that need's going to arise. So, sitting here in April, I hate getting rid of Sheldon Richardson and taking what was already an uncertain area for the future and making it really uncertain for the present. But... The timing of this, the fact that they signed Clowney before the draft, it means a couple of things. One, that Clowney just didn't have any other offers and he didn't want to wait. Mm-hmm. Or two, and maybe it's both, that the Browns said, we're going to do this now and the next thing is going to be cutting Richardson because that frees up money for if a draft trade becomes available or after the draft when we move on to the next things, our extensions and our fill-in, plug-in guys. Like, you know, with this being such a terrible defensive tackle class, Trey, like, somebody's going to reach on those guys and then they're going to release a veteran when they take the Christian Barmore, when they take whoever's second, yeah. right? So yeah. the Browns can then plug that guy in for $2 million. The, the Texans have a nose tackle who's just a guy, but you know they're playing for next year. He's under contract for $4 million bucks. Like The Browns could get him for a seven, right? And, and then right. plug along. So he didn't get better, but th- these are all part of, of the first world problems that are coming. A name you mentioned at the top, I want to say this. Now, I've been wanting to say this for a couple of weeks. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I like this guy so much. Uh, I Me didn't too. watch him on Jeopardy. But uh, 
I'm wanting to bring him up because I, I know what's been going on with him and and the Packers. And I, I just want to say because I think in this Twitter world, um, and with you know, part of this is the Browns just starting to get good, but part of it is in general. Like Aaron Rodgers is free to speak his mind, guys. Um, he's an adult. I think you know he does feel hurt that he doesn't control his destiny with the Packers and how his story ends. Yeah, but that's just the reality of it. I, I just I want to say like I I completely am with him. When he uses his leverage, his pulpit, his whatever to come out and say, you know, I probably should be getting paid more. You know, they probably could have done some things. Like, he has never come out and said the team is run by a bunch of assholes. He has <laughs> never come out and said, boy, I can't wait to get out of here. I just think he has shared his frank feelings. I think he's mostly picked the right time to do it, to maximize engagement and to not be a distraction with things. He did it right after the season ended, right? And I think that that guy, more than anybody, or as much as anybody, has earned the right to share his feelings. And I don't think it's tearing the Packers apart. I think it's being honest. It's trying to hold the team accountable. And ultimately, they decide one more year for Aaron Rodgers, three more years for Aaron Rodgers, one more extension for Aaron Rodgers, trade his ass somewhere else, right? Like, ultimately, they decide that, and he knows it. So, uh, you know, part of it here with the Browns is these guys are so young when they come here, they're all drafted, and they don't have success. And they don't. it takes you a while to find your voice. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just appreciate that here's a guy who's been through everything, who's played at a tough up. Like, he's found his voice. He knows where he is. And I don't think there's any harm in the way he uses it. No. Uh, see, you're, this, this is what we should have did the whole podcast. <laughs> no, it is because, Aaron, all right, on one hand, I think we both agree. Aaron Rodgers has enough in the bank, and I don't mean financially, he has enough in the bank within the organization to speak his mind, right? I think in this day and age, we're okay with a guy that's busted his tail, given it all is all, to speak his mind a little bit, right? Now, if this was a rookie, we'd be bothered. If this was a guy that still hasn't, you know, really proven himself, we'd all be scratching our head going, what the hell is this kid doing? Um, but at the same time, I'm going to go old school on you and say, they're your employee, Aaron Rodgers, get over it. I stand with Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers, if I'm the, the, the Packers, I'm rolling out the, the red carpet for him everywhere he goes. Is he a little bit of an oddball? Is he a little bit of his own guy? A little bit of his own guy? Sure, he is. Um, and let's be honest. You know, the, the Packers got a little bit of a little bit of cockiness to them as well. You know, they went from Brett Favre to this. They've got, I mean, what other organization other than the Colts? And, the, and that hurt because the, the big Andrew Luck ended up being hurt and walked away. Um, but they've gone 20 plus years of having great quarterback play and they've done it their own way. Right. Nobody, they, they went out and got Brett Favre in the trade when they had the magic man, uh, you know, then they went out and drafted Aaron Rodgers, and when they didn't have to, because they could, because he kept falling in that Oh five draft that we were talking about. I think there's some arrogance to them and, and I get why they drafted the kid last year. Um, but what they're finding out is um, as much as, analytics and, and, and managements want to make these players into numbers and not actual live human beings that pump red blood in and out of their veins. Um, Aaron Rodgers probably doesn't understand the effect of what his drafting did to Brett Favre, uh, but it worked and they got through it. The Packers now have done this to Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers ain't Brett Favre. Brett Favre would, you know, go out in his, in his on his farm and, drink 22 beers and send dick pics to, to women and that like it's no big deal. He did it. I'm just stating facts. And this is before everybody was doing it. Yeah. Brett Favre is a pioneer, baby. Mickey Calloway ain't got nothing on Brett Favre. 
Uh, where Aaron Rodgers ain't that guy. Aaron Rodgers speaks his mind, right? Aaron Rodgers don't like it. it that ain't motivating. I mean, it did motivate him. So if you're the Packers, this is what I'll ask you. As if you're the Packers, do you just ride it out and let him be mad as hell and just take his, his great numbers and just say, hey, thanks, Aaron. Sorry you don't like us, but we're just trying to win games. Or do at some point in time, do, do, the, do the Packers, you know, put a couple more million in his bank account, trade away the kid they drafted last? Like, what do you do? Because if I'm the Packers, I'm still going to say, Aaron, you're not going to play 10 more years. Well, I think the answer is, I, I think when you watch the guy play, the answer is all of the above. You know, I think, yeah, you say, hey, he's earning the right to do this. Like, as long as he's playing at a high level, that's great. Then I do think there's the reality of it of he is in an advanced age and they do have to plan for life after him. To some level. Now, should they have taken a quarterback last year? No, they shouldn't have, especially that one at that point, right? Um, I think they could do more. I think they could redo the contract and give him more money, make him the absolute highest paid player in the league or close, and then give them an out in a year or in two years because you have to be ready for that, right? Like, you want to be competing for championships and shit. In that division, Dre, like, you can always be in the play. All you need to do to win it is be able to get in the tournament, right? That's true. Like, but then they punt, then they kick a field goal when they got yes, Aaron no, Rodgers. I get it. Right. No, that that was gross mismanagement. And and, yes. and he honestly, I guess the point of it is this. One, he's earned it. Um, and we want to see guys here in Cleveland do that. I mean, no no one, very few have matched what he's done. But two, like they're probably lucky he didn't say worse after that game about right. as, as terribly as that was managed. I, I mean, the average human being would have lost their mind. When you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, what were they? The four yard line, five yard line. Yes. And you kick a field goal like that was a that was a slap to, to his face. And look, Aaron Rodgers is a different human being, y'all. He dated Danica Patrick. He doesn't talk to his own family. And Danica Patrick's out here crying, crying left and right. Now that he's engaged to another girl, and she was like, "I was trying to make him close to his family." Aaron Rodgers does not go by the book that you want him to go by. So when you draft another guy and you don't call and you don't and you kick a field goal on fourth down. You got to know Aaron Rodgers is going to speak. He is a different cat. There's no this. This shouldn't be a surprise to you. He's been in your organization for over a decade. <laughs> like you should know, he's going to speak out, and rightfully so. Yeah, no, he's he, he's earned that right. And look, um, there's a couple reasons I'm optimistic about the Browns, 21 and beyond. Right, and it starts with when you, you have your offensive line. I mean, we've seen teams fall off as soon as they lose that offensive line. Um, for every question I have about the defense, like in today's game, you just keep scoring, right? And everything points to that offense continuing to just get even better, um, you know, and, and go and do that. So I, I think, you know, my optimism is based upon that they can kind of, and it won't be immediate, but they can kind of pick up where they left off. I mean, their best players are 25, 26, 27, right? Um, they're gonna the Richardson release is presumably gonna give them the flexibility to lock up at least one or two, and those other guys will stay in line. Um, you know, B- Baker and, and Denzel, the fifth year options, which are which are slam dunks, um, gives the team time and, and flexibility on that that you don't have with Chubb or with Teller. So I, I love the clowny ad. I don't love it at the expense of Sheldon Richardson. Um, even for all my questions on defense, again, one, it's an offensive league, and two, you still have Denzel and Miles as a pretty damn good place to start with your defense. Um, you know, we'll see. Can you make 
if you're a smart organization and you get a little bit of luck, I think last year was so valuable, Dre, in that they needed think they they needed to play their way in in December. They did. They had the adversity of the worst safeties in NFL history giving up the touchdown pass to Marquise Brown, of having that crazy once in a lifetime COVID event at the Jets. They still got in. They won a game. They got right there to the Chiefs, and they, as I mentioned before, have every right to be sick about that. Will it come back to haunt them for years? I don't know. Is it the start? I don't know. But I think if you look at the checklist of are the Browns ready, you know, last year you would have checked like zero of those boxes. And this year you would check almost all of them. It's a great point. It's a great point. I mean, it's this is a fun place to be. Um, You know, I – I'm not over enthused about the the Clowney signing. I think he, I think, I think, and I said this last week. I think most fans are looking forward to him sacking the quarterback, and basically what he's going to bring to you is what most people don't even think about. That's going to be important. He's going to be better against the run. He's going to be you know, the edge. You know, I, I've said all those things already. Um, but I think from the outside looking in, I didn't even think about this last week. And, and I, I think what, you heard his press conference or whatever else. He was like, well, "I came here because this team is good." He may have said they're great. Um, that to me, it's one of the biggest steps for the Browns organization, Zach. That they don't need you to write on ClevelandBrowns.com that they're good. <laughs> they don't need Mary Kay to write. They don't need Mary Kay to write a story about the quarterback and his coach and his dad crying when he got hit in the head. Right. Um, oh, we're we're I, a decade I, past Camp Colt. Thank Jesus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But you have actual players, actual guys yes. saying, hey, man, the Browns are good. I want to go there. That's yep. a huge step. Number one, because we haven't heard it really. No. And usually when a guy comes here, you've overpaid for him, right? Like, mm. I, I and, and look, guys still want to go where they're getting their money. But What's that? Guys What's still want to go where they're getting their money. Let's let's not, no let's not mistake No doubt, that. but there is, there is a segment of players that will go somewhere, especially a, 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 especially a veteran that gets it, that's already kind of made their money. That goes, you know, I know I'll go to Cleveland. I'll make my, I'll go win. That's a huge step, though. And and like, and maybe Clowney isn't, the, but maybe you get somebody else suddenly that you never expected would come here. Maybe not this year. Maybe next year, because players are now going. You know what? I'll go play in Cleveland. I, I like their coach. I like I like how they play. They got some players. The Browns have never been there since they've come back in. No. Um, while we were doing this podcast, it came out that May twelfth is the NFL schedule release. Um, like. I don't know if the the max primetime games was six. I really don't know if it's gone up with the to seventeen. I, I would imagine there's some sort of flexibility given the the uh, week eighteen thing they're going to do with all that. Um, the Saturday doubleheader. What I'm trying to say here is like the Browns are going to get four or five or six primetime games, and if you're a little bit scared of that, scarred by 2019, I get it. Um, nah, and and all of these, all of these first world problems that we've been laying out for you guys over the last thirty minutes are real, and the Browns are going to have to tackle them as they come. The coach seems to have the right demeanor for that. A team that's more mature than it was a couple of years ago should have the right demeanor for that. We'll see. But like everything Andre just said is going to be backed up by that. Like around the league, you know, they play at the Chiefs, at the Packers. At least one of those is going to be a Sunday or Monday night game. Yes. Like both Ravens games are going to be must see TV and high stakes TV. Right, like Stefanski back to Minnesota, that feels like a Monday or a Thursday game, doesn't it? The guy was NFL Coach of the Year, yeah. right? Storylines USA, right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we'll see. It, it's exciting times. Um, I hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, all right. So as well, we mentioned this. at the let top here, this. before we what get out of here, what's your favorite Tom Hamilton moment so far through the first fifteen games of the season? What's that? 
What's your favorite Tom Hamilton story from the first 15 games? <laughs> um, I've probably listened three or four times. And sometimes I actually just find myself rooting for him to go into a college baseball story so I can either tweet it or text you. But <laughs> last night I was driving during the first inning. And apparently one time in baseball history is a guy thrown back-to-back no-hitters. And it was in 1938. Yes. And I promise you that I didn't have an official count because I was driving. I couldn't take notes. But probably 1,938 times in that first inning did Tom Hamilton mention the year 1938 in Ebbets Field. (laughs) It was great for me. He texted me this during the game last night, and I'm chuckling. Even I'm freezing my ass off like I'm back on the Brown sideline. And you text that, and because there were 10 people at the game last night, I can vaguely hear, and it's Johnny Vanderveer, I believe is the name. Of the yeah, guy. Johnny Vandermeer, yes. <laughs> yes, Vandermeer. And I can, it, like, there are times where you can, I can hear Hammy, even though I've got an earpiece in and I've got the, the television broadcast in my ear, Hammy being Hammy, you, like, as it's being piped throughout the stadium. And I hear, yes, Johnny Vandermeer. And I just, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm crying because it was mentioned on our broadcast too. But if you knew Hammy, and you've listened like we've listened. You knew Hammy was going to have stories to go along with it. I love the guy. I wish the stories I have, I wish I could tell in the podcast, but I'll never be able to tell until he retires and <laughs> goes to the Hall of Fame. I love the dude. There's nothing like it. Um, here, I, See, I could give one about me, but I don't even know if it'll come off right. So, all right. I, I, so the other day, this is like last Thursday, last Thursday or Friday, I had to record a commercial, a radio commercial for Cadillac, for uh, Central Cadillac out in, uh, in Mentor. Go check them out. They're my people. They're in the, they, they got the Cadillacs out there. Matter of fact, I'm about to record a Cadillac spot after I get done with this podcast. Um, so I was in one of the booths recording the podcast, recording the, the commercial. And because of protocols and everything else, like it used to be, I would just go into the booth that Hammy and Rosie are in together, and I would go in and record mine when I had a chance. Um, but because of protocols, Rosie's in one booth, um, and Hammy's in another but they're like connected and they can hear each other. And I didn't think they could hear each other through the mics. So Rosie was like getting ready to, you know, put his pregame stuff in. And I like had texted him. I was like, Rosie, can I come in right before you start your stuff? So I can, you know, send this commercial back. And, you know, Rosie and Rosie, nicest man in America. I mean, truly is like, looks at me and goes, absolutely. Come on down, Dre, whenever you get a chance. So after I did some of my TV stuff, I go down to record and typical fashion. When you mess up on a commercial, uh, and I've told the rule on here. If I don't want something to make it on air, I know if I after I mess up, if I just say fuck fourteen different ways in different times, it'll never make the air because there's no way to there's no way to beep out fuck fourteen different ways if you say it. So as soon as you mess up, I go motherfucker, goddamn it, fuck, 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 bitch, 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 and and Rosie kind of like chuckles, you know. Um, so I start doing it again, and I realize I have an audience, and I'm getting halfway through, and I was like. Get you a Cadillac. It's the black man's wish. Fuck a BMW. You know that motherfucker gonna roll. Get me an Escalade, bitch. <laughs> and like I go, <laughs> and Hammy's eyes look like like he looks through the glass at me and he goes, "Oh my god!" And he was like, he goes, he was like, if anybody ever hears this, we're all gonna get fired because you can hear us all laughing in the background and you just yelling, "Black man's wish, Cadillac, go get you one." <laughs> so. So at the end of the night, uh, and the game gets over, and it was it may have been the night the Indians got no hit. And I'm getting ready to walk out. And I go, you need a ride home, Hammy? And Hammy spit out his drink. <laughs> and he goes, if you ever bring up Cadillac to me again, I'm retiring. 
<laughs> and he went home and had a cup of coffee and checked the Horizon League baseball standings. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He was watching Horizon League baseball the way home, probably, on his laptop. Now, he and Rosie are not on the road either, or are they? No, we're all so far. That's kind of what I figured, yeah. Yeah, we're all in progressive field. Now, Friday night it was kind of cool. Uh, not because our game, because our game was bad, but they had like the high school, you know, where they put high school teams there all day long. Mm-hmm. And there was like, Ed's was playing somebody. I can't remember who Ed's was playing, but they had a 1 1 game in the, and it went seven innings. And literally, we start showing that game and talking about the high school game in front of us <laughs> rather than what was going on with the Indians that night. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a fun 16 game so far. What can I say? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right, guys. Um, shouts as always to Scene to the Honeymoon Grill. To American Fireworks, shouts to you guys for listening. Um, we are eight days from the start of the draft uh, as we record this. So, again, early next week is our goal. Uh, we will sort it out. We're going to do a draft-centric pod. You know, eventually when the season ends, and, and mercifully it needs to, let me say this. We don't talk much Cavs, and that's fine, because I don't think either of us can talk much depth on the Cavs. But I was oh. driving the other morning and flipping the radio, and I heard – the Cavs falling further and further away from that play-in game. Like, nobody realistically thought that, right? And no. Well, would, well, I'm glad you brought that up because this is a good way to talk about it. They don't need that. And I no. Heard, but, but, and like somebody got mad, and I won't say names. They'll figure it out, and I hope they hear it, and they can text me and we can talk. Like, radio hosts, stop taking managers and coaches verbatim for their word. What do you expect J.B. Bickerstaff to say yeah, to his team? Right. We suck and we're trying to get a top three pick. He has to say we're working our asses off to try to get into that, that into the playoffs. No, you're right. And look, nope. I, I like, I appreciate the NBA trying to add some spice to this. Uh, and I think it's sure. needed. But when you start talking about that 10th team in the Eastern fucking conference having a chance to play in the postseason, like, ugh. Is that are you really gaining? gaining like that's just no. just too much. One yeah. would be great, and or like see that. You know, like, well, here's the deal: maybe a knockout oh. series. You know, maybe maybe ten and nine play one game, and the winner gets to play eight, something like that. Right, but here's the other part of it: there's one type of team that it's exciting to possibly get in that tenth or eleventh game, right? Mm-hmm. Young, a team that's young, you know, that's just coming together. They they like, but. Like the the Cavs aren't set up currently the way they are to like the Charlotte Hornets. And I don't even know the records. I don't have to, I should pull the records up in front of everybody like the Hornets, especially if they can make it considering, uh, you know, that the ball kid got hurt. I don't know if he can come back or not, but you know, when you consider where they've been and how Jordan has tried to spend so much money and figure it out, it would be nice for them to get a playoff series. Cause they've got some young talent that may be able to grow into something. And I just used them off the top of my head. Um, that's good. I mean, anybody that looks at the Cavs roster, and no offense to anybody over there, they're not capable of winning a playoff series. They're not there yet. No, they, they, they can't. I mean, I'll say this from the little I've watched. Darius Garland is making some strides, and this is a guy that hasn't played. Like, he did not play in college. He played four games. Right. He did not have much of a rookie season. Like, that's important. But you have to be realistic. Like, you're one of the worst organizations in sports. Yep. You're miles away from competing. In it. And you're right. That's what it's about. Like, the Hornets, before they can take that next step, they need that taste of the postseason yeah. to see the what Chicago it's like Bulls. to evaluate. But see, I'm looking at it now. The Bulls are 24 and 33. They are the 10 seed right now. They are four games behind the Hornets, who are the eighth seed. 
Well, I mean, let's be honest, Zach. 24 and 33 does not exactly, especially in Chicago, like if a team was fighting for 500 and they were the 10th team, then they would have something. But when you're 20 and 37, I can't get excited about that. No, exactly. <laughs> like, end it. Like, uh, for for my own viewing, like, I'm glad, because I, I do enjoy the NBA playoffs. I am yeah. glad that in the back half of May and through June, there will be basketball on, high-level basketball on all the time, because there's usually nothing on at that point uh, of the year, right? I have to listen to Hammy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, it's dragged out. And teams that are in the Cavs' boat, like, no, they they need to be put out of their misery. So uh, here's, yeah, here's the other thing um, that I will say off of that. And like you said, we'll love it. But let me ask you this as we leave this. Um, is, is Steph – going to finally get an MVP. I mean, the role he's been on, and I haven't been watching a ton of basketball, but the role he's been on, Zach, has been phenomenal. Um, his shooting, I mean, he scored, what, 30? Like, he's been unbelievable. Um, but his team is 29 and 29. You know, they'll be in the play. Like, do we want to see Steph Curry play in the play-in game? Yeah, we do. <laughs> I want to see him. I, I okay. do. Um, New Orleans is 25-33. They're on the outside. They're right behind they're four games behind San Antonio. I, I, know, I know some like pro Cleveland person will get mad at me for saying what I've said, but like the world does not want to see Lamar Stevens play in the play-in game. We would love to see extra st- Steph Curry basketball. So would the uh, I can't think of his name right now. The, the yeah, the commissioner. That yeah. makes a, the commissioner looks brilliant, right? If he's got the Warriors playing in that game. Yeah, I no, guess so, like the Grizzlies who are right. right so that part will be fun. All right, guys, um, take Dre up. If you have draft questions you want us to address in the next podcast, send him to Dre. He will make a list, and we will talk about him in the next podcast. So thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you soon. For shizzle.